What's going on, boys and girls? We have a very special episode of Two White Lights for you today. I had on the program the prophet of the USAPL, Johnny Candido. In a rare podcast appearance, he joined Two White Lights, and I'm going to tell you guys, it was definitely worth the wait having Johnny on. Um, I've had so many requests to get Candido on the show since I really started Two White Lights and became in the USAPL. Uh, From people at the gym, from people on Instagram, from people I've seen at meets, they want to hear from Johnny. And we recorded, I'm not kidding, for like four hours. And I mean, yeah, it was worth the wait because instead of one episode, you're going to get four episodes of Johnny Candido. I'm not going to release the entire four hours because I still have to edit all of it. So I'm going to give it in hour spurts. And within those four hour spurts that I'm going to give you, it's like the perfect episode of Two White Lights. Uh, And I'm not exaggerating here. It is seriously everything that, one, I like to talk about, uh, and I know Johnny likes to talk about, but I think also what you guys like to hear about as well. We get into a lot of different subjects. So today, I mean, I'm not going to call it an introduction because it was some real good information that was shared, some real good insight, just some great ideas about the sport. We talk about his progress as a uh, YouTube uh, YouTuber and bringing a huge spotlight to the USAPL, things that USAPL could do different now. We talk about the current state of the federation and of the sport. We also get into just some real good training talk, seeing discipline. Uh, Johnny Candido he referenced himself as the most disciplined lifter he knows, and we get into a really good conversation about that. Then we kind of segue into RPE and percentage-based training for a little bit auto-regulation. Uh, you know, the struggles of balancing that social media presence and lifting in the gym. It was just a terrific conversation, and it was only the first hour. You get three more of those as we go on. So I, I haven't figured out how I'm going to break this up. Uh, this is going to be released on Thursday as you're listening to it. I think maybe Monday would be the next one. Uh, I have a pretty busy weekend. I'm going to be competing at Midwest Primetime. So, and I'm going to be taking like a seven-hour drive up to Springfield, Missouri. So I won't have a lot of time to really like edit that podcast. But I'm going to try to get the next one out Monday. There might be some episodes being released prior to that. And I'm just going to throw in the Johnny Candido Chronicles as we go and Again, I'm, I'm not exaggerating. This has been my favorite podcast to record because it is everything that I like to talk about. So before we get into the episode with Johnny Candido, I, of course, got to do some ad reads. And, of course, I got to start with my boys down at Leflar Bros. Ladies and gentlemen, go to leflarbros.com and get yourself some merchandise. If you use that promo code 2WL10, you will get 10% off of anything you desire whether it be some tank tops t-shirts baseball tees uh beanies it's starting to become beanie season it's getting cool out it's fall i love my baseball tees as well i think fall really yields the opportunity to wear some baseball tees so i'm going to be rocking those uh primarily throughout all of fall um and you can get yours as well if you use promo code 2 wl 10 and also they got those gym banners they could only get on leftlarbros.com uh, two White Lights Gym Banner, show you listen to the show, get yourself a gym banner. Also, go to Rivalist.net, use promo code Angelo15 and get some supplements, brand chain amino acids, protein, pre-workout, creatine, you name it. Rivalist has got it if you use that promo code Angelo15. Also, go to Lift.net, I only wear stoic gear out on the platform. 
in training pretty much everywhere. I only wear Stoic gear and you can get a discount on some of that gear if you use promo code Angelo10. Actually, a lot of people have been using that code and they've been very happy and I'm very happy that they're using that code. Uh, it's actually pretty cool to see. So people love the product. I love the product. Obviously, I wouldn't be endorsing if I don't. Use that promo code Angelo10 to get 10% off of your order. Also, go to twowhitelights.com. You can only get the t-shirts, the two white lights t-shirts there. We got some other ones uh, as well that aren't two white lights t-shirt. The Bomb Out Club ones uh, are also exclusively sold on twowhitelights.com. And also, subscribe on iTunes. Leave a five-star rating. Leave a review. Those reviews are important. I need those. Also, we're available on Spotify. Check us out there and be sure to follow us. Now, here it is, the long-awaited episode with Johnny Can. The wait is finally over. I have with me Johnny Candido. Has to be the number one requested interview on Two White Lights since I started this podcast and became a USAPL elitist. Johnny Candido has been requested by so many different lifters, and I'm finally able to talk to him. Johnny, how are you, man? I'm doing pretty well. I'm honored to be on the show, and this is one of the very few podcasts I've ever done. I think outside of Omar Isaf, I think you are the only one. Yeah, I think I don't think I've done any other podcast. That's a badge of honor. I'm going to take that as one of my biggest accomplishments in powerlifting because yeah. we have talked for a while. We uh, are pretty friendly, talking to DMs mm-hmm. on Instagram, and it just took a while for us to get on a podcast because yeah. – Podcasting isn't for everyone, but I'm 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 greatly honored that you are on my show. Uh, and I got to lead with this question first because every two white lights episode I have done, and this might come off as a stupid question, but every two white lights episode that I've done, where we have some sort of big, illustrious, uh, well accomplished USAPL lifter on, they said. You are the reason that they started powerlifting through your chronicling of raw powerlifting on your YouTube channel. So I guess the question is, do you ever just like take a step back and be like, well, that's fucking awesome. Yeah, 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 definitely. But it's it's definitely like a, well, see, the thing is, I think the reason why I hesitate to say that is I think I did that more when I was snapped up and then it almost becomes satisfying to where it's like okay that's enough but i think now i'm getting back into that point of being driven almost by i can't say this right almost by hatred and like negativity is you have to at least in my experience i'm a naturally shy person Mm -hmm. so i have to feel that competitive fuel of of like yeah seeing some other people be like oh okay my last few videos have got more views than that all right um and what's funny is even when i talk to people where this is no joke what I do is if someone says like, man, I used to watch you all the time when growing up, uh, when in high school and stuff and just go, why don't you still like, I literally <laughs> will say that just to, like put the, I just say like, you should still watch it. 
Yeah, it's but, like, um, well, yeah. Why'd you stop, man? Why, why, why'd you? It's like, why aren't you still watching the page? Yeah, exactly. And but I will say, it's definitely. Um, it was actually very explicitly my life goal, and like I, I would say, especially with the six week program, because I started writing that when I was literally in my dorm room. I remember I wrote it on a single piece of paper, mm-hmm. um, and I was like starting to write it out. And it was like right at the time where you just questioned what's your purpose in life and anything. Mm-hmm. And I'm personally an atheist and I grew up Catholic. So it, I, in a way, I think it made that conflict worse because then I like, I, I was fully believing in it mm-hmm. and then 0%. Uh, and now I still, I still am an atheist, but um, it was one of those moments where I'm like, I, I don't even know if I can be happy at that moment. Obviously now I realize it's due to like other factors and stuff like that, <laughs> but uh, you know, it's not some as deep as it, as it felt in the moment, but I've had moments like that where it's like, I truly did my best when I had no friends, no, nothing to hold me back where I'd feel embarrassed about it. Mm-hmm. So then I just wing it. And I think, I think that is really, that was the biggest motivation. That was honestly like, this was exactly my goal was um, cause I think I'm, I'm similar to you and that we've talked about before where I'm not particularly money-driven. You know, mm-hmm. I, I really am impact-focused, and I think there's nothing that has a bigger impact, not just in powerlifting, but fitness. Mm-hmm. Just lifting, just just making lifting more normal, and, you know, maybe 100,000 people ran the six-week program. It's like, to me, that's, yeah, it, it is definitely something that it, I'm very grateful to have a life where I can feel like I, I believe I've had a positive impact mm-hmm. on the world. But it also was explicitly the goal. So it's it's both at the same time. <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's not super surprising, but I am extremely grateful. So it is also something that I'm, I'm very grateful for and don't take for granted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, I mean, this, throughout my, my journey as, you know, a powerlifter on social media and getting your yourself out there, it is a really cool, you know, message to get or just a conversation to have. It's like, yeah, man, um, I – watched your page and it really inspired me to get in the gym and start actually competing in powerlifting. And that to me is like one of the greatest compliments I can get, even with doing two white lights is when people are like, I listen to your podcast all the time and it's, and it's, uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a motivation for me just to continue powerlifting because it's like a look on the community of the sport. But then when I have people on the show and these real good lifters saying that you're the inspiration, like, <laughs> It, it to me, I, I would just, I was always curious about that because we're talking some heavy hitter lifters that you actually got to see, you know, maybe start off with the Candido program, start with your YouTube channel, then become a national champion and start doing their own thing. It's like watching one of your kids grow up yeah, and, and, yeah, and not great. even grow up and fucking kill it when they do grow yeah. up. So it, it's got to be a unique experience for you. Yeah, it is. It's, it's very unique. I think what, what's always helped me is being, um, being objective that I think I was never under the impression that I want to hold on to a, a certain status strength wise. And, and, and I've achieved this because I'm a uniquely hardworking, mm-hmm. you know, I, this and that, even though, you know, there's definitely some of, some of those, you know, beliefs for sure. And mm-hmm. some, and some of it's true. <laughs> like I, definitely, <laughs> I definitely probably work harder than the lifters, you know, but, um, but even early on, I was like, it's so clear that with the genetic talent pool there was in 2011 to 2013, that there are going to be way better lifters. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I, and I always say, actually, I had a, a joking post once on Facebook where I was like, my goal is to make the sport popular enough to where I have no shot at winning. 
and I did it. (laughs) 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 All right. (laughs) And obviously there are a lot of factors and, um, and a lot of other people, you know, contribute and stuff, but it was like, to me, it was very explicit and it was really my motivation. I used to argue all the time with people on forums, people who would say that sport will never be popular. I do even, I even think that there's a certain psychological effect where a lot of equipped uh, old guard members Mm -hmm. want to put it down so they don't feel guilty that it's also partially their responsibility. Uh And, And I think that is one of the things where it's like the moment you realize you have an impact, now it kind of becomes scary. And that's why when I upload videos, it's like there is a part of you where you really have to be on point. Because mm-hmm. if you just say something that's wrong, a lot of people may do that or may think something incorrect just because you said it. And, um, yeah, so it's, it's one of those things where I personally, I take it very seriously. Yeah. And, uh, and I think um, yeah, it, it really is incredible how much it's accelerated. And I think the more other people start channels, I mean, I remember there was a time where I was even talking to like Chad Wesley Smith on YouTube. It's like, okay, so first you do this, this, and this, and I mm-hmm. recommend this camera, like, I, like stuff like that behind the scenes because um, I really care. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the good thing is that when anybody contributes a lot, you see that it it always helps everybody because mm-hmm. then people really do remember how someone else affected them. Um, you know, like with what you're doing now, it's like maybe one of the people you interview legitimately becomes a millionaire mm-hmm. or multimillionaire. Um, and then that could affect everything positively um, back at you. So, yeah, it, it really is. Um, overall, it's just a win-win as long as people care, are honest, and their ego doesn't get in the way that like mm-hmm. they have to be the icon of the sport and I'm not going to you know involve myself with someone else, you know. <laughs> Yeah, and it, and it is really cool to, you know, take a look back at it that when you look at the success of the USAPL, that if you're going to put, like, a Mount Rushmore on the USAPL, I think you would have to put your face onto it, not, you know, in the sense of, like, of this, um, you know, if you want to get into separate discussions of, like, the best lifters ever or, like, the USA best USAPL lifters, like, you're – but you can't go throughout that, that discussion. It's, like, the most – impactful person on the usapl and it's popular it has to be you and it was through the correct way of going about broadcasting the usapl it was and it's and it's 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 really it's crazy just to look back on it and knowing that you know you you could be that person that people look to like almost like the usapl prophecy if you will like like you like the, the, the prophet candido that we got in the usapl so yeah, it was funny. There was actually one time where uh, there was a debate on uh, there's a debate on T-shirts. And I remember I commented, I was like, look, here's a Mike T, Mike Tashir deadlift. I was like, if we made this Mike Tashir deadlift in HD has 16,000 views or 20,000 mm-hmm. back then, which is a lot, which is basically like a 150,000 views now relative to YouTube back then. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, if we get this in HD, that matters more than any of this. And mm-hmm. I remember, like, I used to say certain things where I've had people tag me to try to get the USAPL against me back then, where they're like, what, you're saying the stream's not good enough, this and that? And it's like, look, you can tag whoever you want. And I'm saying, yeah, it's not good enough. The quality's not good enough. I'm just, <laughs> back then it wasn't. It's like, it's like yes, it's I no am most... exactly saying those things that you were accusing me of. The quality exactly. of the stream is bad. Yeah, and I think that, that um, it's really just a matter of... Um, looking at it objectively and just being honest with what you think is best. I think what I think is a lot of people get tribal where it's like, mm-hmm. it's about the people where it's like, to me, it's not like if, if I have a friend of mine who uploads a video that gets bad views, I'm not the type to go, you know, Hey man, it may have been just the algorithm. 
Like, it's like, no, I'm going to go, yo, hey, I think that video is pretty good, but let's, yeah, I think you should try something else mm -hmm. and then maybe, you know, help them out if they you know, need it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So has there, has there ever been a moment while you were going through that journey of realizing like, whoa, this is big. It's like, this is, the, this is the moment where, you know, like this is actually having a huge impact on the sport. Yeah, you know what I'll actually say? Yeah, there actually was a specific moment. It was when in South Africa and Worlds, I remember the, the biggest moment for me was when the Federation, the USAPL and IPF actually cared. And it was in South Africa, where in South Africa, Rob Schmidt, who's now since been fired for um, various accusations. <laughs> which, I, don't, I, don't, I actually don't even, I got to Google this. I actually don't know. I, I, I think it might involve something under 18, but I'm not, I'm not sure. So I'm not going to allegedly, in any, allegedly. In any capacity. Um, yeah, just no comment at all. I've <laughs> truly looked at it much. Um, anyways, at that time he was the marketing director for the USAPL and he was in South Africa and he's like, he walked up to me. He's like, thank God we finally have one. And he said that cause he's like all the time we have like Mark Bell and all these guys, like every single person who's popular on the internet is not, this is a funny thing is not for the USAPL. It's like, how funny is that where it's so surreal now where like mm -hmm. everybody who's popular is in the USAPL and IPF. So there was that. And then there was a time in 2015 where I met uh, Gaston, the, the IPF president at the airport. And like they were tweeting positive things about after I broke my toe and like they were tweeting from the IPF account and then we met and they were, and I was talking to him about Instagram being, um, in my opinion, way more important than Twitter. And I was like, look, I don't even think you should even focus on Twitter. Like just mm -hmm. focus on Instagram. Like they were really listening and then they posted more on it. And it was like, I think those two moments where you get that institutional respect um, was the biggest for me, because to me, when it comes to numbers and people, it made sense because I'm like, you know, I obviously work hard on the program on videos and you see what works. Like you see certain things really help people. I only make videos on things where I actually think it matters. And, and I don't make videos just for views, just because it like fills in a spot, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, it's an interesting point to kind of to go off of where people are actually listening to what you have to say um i think they should do more of that because i still think that there's a progression there with people in the usapl and ipf listening to their lifters and listening to the people who are actually bringing eyes on the usapl and ipf so let me ask you this because you had a long history with the usapl and ipf what do you think the current state of it is now what changes do you think they can make in order to get more eyes on the sport? Because right now there are eyes and there's more I eyes than they, there used to be, but there's always, there's, there's always more people that you can get in the comp yeah. in the competition realm and in that specific federation. I think the USAPL should leave the IPF 100%. I think they should leave the IPF. I think Priscilla and Larry Mail are really good. Um, I, I think that they've, they're really consistent with how they interact with people. I think they're really fair. Now, one other thing is I do think they need to resolve that rule at nationals where you can't record unless you pay through yeah. their sponsor nine for nine media. I was like nine for nine media for those who don't know was the company that you had to pay in order to get video of your meat or else, unless you know someone enough to have your cameraman get a media pass, mm -hmm. you know, which I think, I think at that time um, it was basically just Russ who got that pass. And I don't know if anyone else did. And anyways, I, I spent, I literally spent 245 bucks for the worst 
footage I've ever gotten in my life. Like it, it was so bad. I mean, I, this is very out of character for me, but it was so bad. I honestly wanted to fight Adam Palmer. Like I literally, it felt so disrespected and I've, I've never talked to him since then. I've, I've never felt that disrespected in my life. Like I really, if you saw the video, you would take it personally. Like it was very, very zoomed out. Very, I mean, super zoomed out one camera angle and overexposed to where there were no details. Like it was like bright white legs. Okay. And that's 245 bucks and you can't get footage otherwise. So that is actually why I don't have a Ron Nationals recap. Because <laughs> like that, going down, I was like, I was so mad. I'm like, either I'm going to make a video on this or I'm not going to make a video about this, even though the meet went you know, super well. Mm-hmm. So I just didn't because it's like, whatever. Um, so anyways, I think those barriers are going to be big where you can't block out talent. Like the fundamental belief that the USAPL has to have, and I, I do think for the most part they have it, is there are so many talented lifters with other skills too. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure you talk to them all the time, but there's so many lifters who are engineers, who are computer science majors, who are, you do this and that, who can bring their skills to the USAPL. Yeah. Um, and I do think, I think the things they've done well are like the, the Jumbotron at, at Raw Nationals. Yep. Super good. I think it looks really good. The fact that they've, made it digital with weigh-ins where you just enter everything into computer. I think they've done so many things that, that have elevated the sport. I think disconnecting from the IPF would give them more freedom as far as drug testing goes, which would really help. I think it, I would imagine it could give them more freedom as far as prize money. And I think, I think it would be disconnecting from there. And then, so, so let's say the three main things is, so first is give rid of the IPF. Okay. Because, by the way, Raw Nationals is already as good as Worlds, if not better, in many respects. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, wait, what did I say the second one was? Well, you said the first. <laughs> you said the, the first, first one, one was given to the IPF. Yeah, and then, and then the the second one oh, was The second one was recording at Nationals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the first one's given to the IPF. Second one is do not restrict recording at Nationals because Instagram and, and YouTubers, especially, I would say more Instagram now, mm-hmm. there's like creators are really who fuel the sport in many ways. Um, and then the third thing is transparency with meat directors. I think that, that I think will be a potential existential issue mm-hmm. because when people don't know how much money is being made at a nationals where there's $150,000 in total revenue, most likely, and no one knows how much that converts to profit. Mm-hmm. There's no one lost and everything like that. That is really important. Like that, that just has to get taken care of. And I think the more information everyone has, then we can decide like, okay, we should expect maybe $10,000 for Russ if he wins nationals, mm-hmm. you know, or for whoever. And I, I think that would go far away because I think a lot of people just want that badge of honor. Mm-hmm. If you could get, I mean, imagine, I mean, I could still potentially get top five at nationals. It's like, imagine if even fifth place just got like 150 bucks yeah. and then fourth place gets 400 bucks. Mm-hmm. Third place gets a thousand. Second place gets Five thousand. First place gets ten thousand. Mm-hmm. Just something like that. I mean, it, it would really just that honor. I think would change it, change the game. And I think you need to continue to gamify things to where there's there's a direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would. I mean, all those three, I think, are, are the most common. But it's but you're you know shedding so much logical light onto it. It's kind of a surprise that they haven't really thought about that. But the the one the the, the first thing that you brought up, USAPL and IPF. For for me, I guess uh, playing devil's advocate to this is what's your counter to the international presence that you could have competing in the USAPL? Because I will agree, 
USAPL Raw Nationals is probably just as good as IPF Worlds, if not better. Uh, I could listen to some of the arguments that are made and probably agree with most of them. But if you still want that international aspect, which, you know, international meets, in my opinion, are awesome. It's one of the uh, great honors in the sport to represent your country. When you lose that, I think... I think it could be a maybe a step backwards for the USAPL, but is there an alternative to maybe keep that inter- international presence while still having the USAPL operate? I think that's yeah. I think what you're saying would be the best of all worlds. I guess what I'm saying is I don't believe that the IPF even has the USAPL's best interest in mind. Like okay. the fact that the USAPL, I mean, to my knowledge, they were punished for drug tests, right? That because it went through a different avenue. Um, and I believe the USAPL literally gets punished for more positives, correct? I'm not sure on that. Okay, I, I think so. Now, I'm not 100% certain, and, you know, don't sue me. <laughs> IPF. Um, all this, yeah, but, all this is off the record, guys. <laughs> right, so I believe so, and I, I think that there are, the way the IPF has fined the USAPL, the way they interact, I think they've done too many things that show that they do not care, or at least are there's some opposition i think in vision and i think that that i think that is what's going to hold the usapl back too much where what you're saying i believe is is generally true i definitely think like re- uh, representing your country you know having the american flag having the italian flag having this flag that flag, I, I definitely think that that is um a huge deal mm-hmm. and like we've talked about is you know maybe one of my plans is getting an italian citizenship and you know, if, if I'm going to be 35 years old representing Italy, again, you know, watch me get like second place just because America's like everybody. <laughs> I get second place, but in America, I get like 11th at the time. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I, yeah, I really might actually do that. But the thing is, you have to um, look at what other successful meets are there. Like that's that's always been my philosophy. Like whenever people say like, oh, you know, like I was early to this and that it's like, it's always a matter of recognizing patterns that already exist mm-hmm. and then heightening them. So what other, what other federation relies on international competition like the IPF? None of them. Mm-hmm. The meets in Australia, they don't rely on that yeah. yet. Everyone cares about it. Kern doesn't rely on that relies on money. Nobody cares about international. Does anyone, I mean, people care that John hacks, you know, captain America, but nobody sees John hack versus, you know, Ben Pollock is any different than uh, Russell versus Gibbs. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think in the end of the day, powerlifting is an individual sport, but most importantly, you want the best talent. I think people care about the best talent more than they care about um, bureaucracy, really. Yeah, I would. Um, yeah, that, that's an interesting point you brought. So let me ask you this. So with, um, obviously, Sheffield being canceled, what was your opinion on that happening? Because that was, to me, this yeah. this moment of, all right, we're actually, I think we're hitting that little trifecta that you mentioned. Um, yeah. You're giving lifters money. You're giving lifters a lot of money. You have the best competing. You have seemingly a great media market. We have no idea how it's going to go down. You know, we were, and the powerlifting world would have been nitpicking it too, because that's mm-hmm. what happens when you do anything big. You know, powerlifting, yeah. the powerlifting <laughs> Instagram community will nitpick it, and for the best, I think, uh, to get the best quality out there. But you had all the things that you mentioned there, but like, so, so I, cause I never even got your like opinions on it. What, what do you think would have happened if that transpired? Well, I, I definitely think that that 
was a great idea. And I, I fully support it. In, um, some of the conditions were very strange because I was actually talking to an SBD salesman um, at Nationals. And we were talking about the rubric for who wins the money. And I believe it's in relation to world records, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. And the problem I have with that is I, I think it's a good idea, but I think that standard was very strange mm-hmm. because it, it completely, completely rewards classes with younger lifters. I mean, you're talking Russell's Russ, uh, I call him Russell too many times. <laughs> Russell, let's just talk about his real name. Russell is 25, right? Something like that. 25. Yeah. Um, Mid 20s. Maybe 26. So, if his world record was going to be, wait, does he? Does he? Have, he has the total world record, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So his total world record is going to be him when he's 24 at IPF Worlds. So. I don't know how I didn't know that he has the world record, but I can just imagine people roasting me for that. Um, if if he ups his record as a 24-year-old to 25-year-old by more than Ray Williams does as a, a 33-year-old versus 32-year-old, it to me, it's just, that is unbelievably unfair. And yeah. I, I think that, that that was part that I did not like, but the rest I absolutely loved. I still think that there's an issue with transparency, though. It's like okay. I think the problem is nobody knows how much does the everyone knows how much companies pay the IPF since that was a big deal, but nobody really knows like okay so how much money does this meat generate? Can we do something to where we feel a part of it? Like every I think that's what helps with YouTube channels is people see my videos get views and they feel like I mean and they did literally contribute to that by you know spreading the word and if people don't if people don't care personally then it won't succeed. And, and, mm-hmm. and you can see how much it's succeeding. You go, wow, okay, I'm sharing this, and, and now my boy's taking off. <laughs> you can see that with anybody. Yeah. Um, and same with podcasts. The problem with like meets like Sheffield is we just have no idea. Mm-hmm. So we're like, okay, there's a preset amount of money. Do we know how much money it's taking in? Do we know how, how much do views even matter? Is, is there a way to support this? I think, if, I think they need to open things up more and more. I mean, mm-hmm. honestly, if you had a Patreon, even for that, go look. We're we're giving the biggest amount of money to any drug tested meat ever, and drug free strength is something that is is almost a morally good thing, in my opinion, to to avoid just incentivizing um, abuse, which you know maybe an edgy thing to say. I'm not sure. I've said um, it on like six straight podcasts, so I think I'm good on that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's um yeah it's funny that that's like it's it's gotten to a point where it's controversial to say. By the way, steroids are bad for you and it's maybe not good for people to have to use steroids to earn money and power like maybe that actually is something to think about but um yeah so i overall i think it's very good but i think without transparency my worry is can it even continue yeah because if we don't know what it takes to succeed then how how do i even support it Mm -hmm. i mean i have a channel i would i would love to support it in some way i don't to me it just seems like some corporate thing and then the best lifters and i'm excited for it but i I have no idea how to get personally uh, involved yeah. I think that's how, I think that's how most viewers feel with that. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, when people do ask me those questions of, you know, why doesn't USAPL and IPF give lifters money and how much does USAPL and IPF make with the meats that they right. put on? It's me just really talking out of my ass cuz I have no idea what's going on as yeah, far no as as far cuz I was cuz I was always under the um the thought of when I look around at Raw Nationals, I see the amount of equipment they have. I see the Jumbotron, I'm like, okay, that costs a lot of money. So that's probably where our money's going to, and that's probably the amount of money they're making, right, is just to do this for us. But that's a complete assumption. 
It's not fact-based. There's no evidence to go. The only evidence I have is what I see around me. Right. I, I, I can't factor in everything else that goes along with it. So that would be really, that's something I think that lifters really don't think of. I'm, I'm one of those lifters included where I was just psyched to see a jumbo shot at Raw Nationals. I mean, like, all right, you know, you don't have to pay me if I win. You, 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 there doesn't have to be money involved. I'm like, this is pretty cool. Like, uh, you know, like, uh, like a kid, like a kid in the first day of school or something, or just like seeing something amazing for the first time. I think they can occasionally lull lifters to sleep, but I think once you get more involved in the sport, that is going to be an overall positive is, you know, being completely upfront and honest of what exactly you're bringing in as a federation. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I totally agree. And that, by the way, to be clear, that is when I'm at meets like that is definitely all I'm thinking. Like I'm not, I'm not hypercritical. And, you know, I think, uh, I think they must've saved some money here. I don't know if this, the left Jumbotron's color correction is a little off, (laughs) but I do think, I think the reason why money is going to be so important is because of the time commitment and how it increases over time with lifters. It reminds me of a video by your buddy, Tim Thibodeau, mm-hmm. where he talked about how um, powerlifting has cost him relationships on some level. Mm-hmm. And I, I very much relate to that. And I think it's interesting because a lot of people were roasting him in the comments. <laughs> that's a, that's a put that energy. But like a lot of them were like, bro, it was not the powerlifting. And I'm like, no, it's the powerlifting. Like I know the deal with that, where mm-hmm. it's like if you get to a point where you train and, and Tim trains smart, you know, with, with Joey Flex as his coach. And, and if you train with certain situations where it may take four hours to work out, mm-hmm. which is, you know, a relatively not super common thing, but it's certainly not unheard of. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of intermediate level lifters at that point already. It just gets hard to figure out where does that go then? Mm-hmm. Does it, are, are the only lifters who are going to last are ones who are, you know, superstars online or ones who, you know, get a lot of, views or do we want someone who's just very good who's just great um and we want them to stay in the sport but they if they train four hours you know three times a week and then maybe one or two times a week they train you know an hour and a half it's just at some point that is a really really big commitment Mm -hmm. as you reach that age where you're going to reach your peak which is late 30s so i I think that's going to be the biggest challenge with the usapl because you you just always have to look at the, the, the numbers and how they would project out. So we have world records right now. World record holders who are 25. We're nowhere near, that's nowhere near the best of the sport. It mm-hmm. will never peak at that. I, th- I think that should be you know, basically universally accepted. So then how do you grow with that change? And I, I think that is where you have to acknowledge that there needs to be some steps. Um, and, and I don't know. I mean, there are some people who just do have the like suck it up mentality, you know, like Blaine mm-hmm. Sumner's a petroleum engineer <laughs> and is you know extremely successful. But I think that that is going to be the issue is how do you retain people? And I think that the, the top strategies would be paying the people at the top and then having more of a ladder to grow on a state level, local level, regional level mm-hmm. that actually matters. That's, that's shown in a cool way mm-hmm. and really gamify it. Because yep. I, I think the misconception, and this is what something I've talked about with um, you guys like Omar and uh, even Eric Helms, is I think sometimes when I say stuff like this, they interpret it as like, oh, yeah, you need to make sure you're accepting of everyone. And, you know, maybe some people aren't as competitive. But in my experience, the people who are not that strong are just as competitive yeah. mentally. 
I do not think they have this attitude of, oh, I just want to lift with the boys. Like, no, I think they want to see themselves uh, step up and they want to see maybe if you could even show them, like imagine if you had a digital scoreboard at a meet and you go, okay, you're in the, uh, obviously they wouldn't love this, but like, let's say you're in the bottom 8% of the USAPL in total and you're a newer lifter and you go, okay, you know, I'm in the 8% and then you compete. Imagine if afterwards they register your total and then you, as you leave the meet, you see now you're 11%. Mm-hmm. And then it's like you, you stepped up just a little bit, 3% up. I think that is the stuff that really would motivate people. Oh, yeah. like that, that would motivate me initially. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I personally would not have done the sport if I didn't think that there were qualifying totals for Raw Nationals because I, I mistook the single ply for being Raw Nationals qualifying totals. And mm-hmm. if I didn't see that, I probably wouldn't have done it, yeah. honestly. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The, the lister, yeah, lister's capacity to be competitive is why they're in the sport, is to be competitive. Right. You can easily not lift – or you could easily not compete. You can just hit SBD and keep it at that. You can hit SBD in your commercial gym, and that that's it. You could you know hit your own PRs and progress any way you yeah. want. But the reason why people get into competitive powerlifting is to actually be competitive with other people. So yeah, I think there's a definite yeah. incentive there for other lifters to get on board with that. Um, and yeah, I agree with everything you said. Also, and then the, the, bring it back to the, one of your other pillars, if you will, of what you'd like to see that that media thing. <laughs> to me, because when I first heard of the, they're only allowing nine for nine media that media rights at USAPL uh, Raw Nationals. I was like under the impression that I couldn't take a phone recording of myself lifting and then post it on Instagram. That I thought that was the case. And then once I saw it, I'm like, okay, I can do that. It's not that big of a deal. And it took me a little bit to realize all the people with YouTube channels that get a ton of hits and subscribers and eyes on Raw Nationals to realize that I'm like, oh, I'm I'm way off here. I'm like, I didn't really fully comprehend the severity of it because I like because I had a strong stance on it. Then I lightened my stance because I was just like, I'm an Instagram lifter. I'm not on YouTube, and I I'm totally okay with my little phone recordings and posting on Instagram. I'm all, I'm all good on that. But then when you mentioned your Raw Nationals recap, dude, there was a lot of people who wanted to see that. <laughs> there was zero. I mean, seriously, that was like I was in because I wasn't fortunate enough to be on primetime. I was watching from the audience. And I'm not saying this to blow smoke up your ass because I've done that um, almost literally as I'm smoking a cigar. <laughs> but I've done that this entire podcast. But seriously, when I was watching primetime, the hype was there for Russ, of course. There was a shit ton of people at the 83 kg primetime, and also I believe the 47 uh, females were competing as well. But when you were up, people were excited. I had my friends around me and like just saying how great it was that you were on the platform again. So that recap of Raw Nationals on your YouTube channel would have been fantastic for the people who actually couldn't view raw nationals like to be in the stands because that was a moment for me that really just loved the sport was to see you know people develop a fan a liking to a lifter as they were competing i'm like oh man that feels like a real authentic sport now doesn't it (laughs) it's like it's like man like he has a fan they they have a fan base here this person has a fan base and when you remove that element of being able to broadcast that exact environment and that media you're hurting the sport like there's no you're 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 hoarding you're hurting the overall overall popularity of the sport and i'm not in the sport for it to be popular i guess but 
I would like to see more people get involved with powerlifting, of course. Like, that's, yeah, that's, yeah, exactly. that's the... I, I mean, I, I see, th- this is part of, I mean, this is segueing to kind of a different view, is I do actually think, I, I have a very holistic view where I think powerlifting is healthy. I think, I actively encourage people to not move up weight classes. I think it's healthy to not. Mm-hmm. So I, I tell people straight up, like I've told people in person, like my coach is thinking I should go 240, you know, and I go, do you want to live your whole life as at 240 pounds? Like, are you, are you willing to accept that? Mm-hmm. And if you're not, you're going to have a huge issue. But that ties in with my view on pouting is I do actually view it as a good for humanity for pouting to become more popular because it does increase bone density. It does have positive health outcomes mm-hmm. as long as people, you know, have it with the right mind frame and they're not running Bulgarian and just beating <laughs> themselves to hell. So personally, I mean, it, it makes me even more like I, I'm like this sport, I hope gets more popular. I hope it becomes um, similar to what Barbell Medicine has said, where lifting can basically be the new running. Where it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, like everyone, like, let's just do it. Let's just do it to show that, you know, you can and to just make sure that um, people are interested in something where they, they get healthier with it. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that, yeah, I think that's important because of that reason. And, um, yeah, it, it really is. Um, it, it's a really weird situation because, I mean, obviously the stream is really good. Like the stream got a lot of views. I think that's the most views um the stream has uh, of any USAPL stream video, but it's close to it. The, that video, I think it might be actually the, so it has like 80,000 views on the stream, which is cool. And the stream footage was really good. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely a smaller detail, but uh, yeah, you're definitely right in that. It really is a matter of making sure people have the freedom to do it and making sure that, look, if you're going to sell video service, just make it better than what a YouTuber would do themselves. Mm -hmm. You know, like that's all. And then, and, but then if you're going to just blatantly make it to where you're not allowed to record, it's just, I mean, it's sending the obvious message that, look, we just don't want to have that pressure to compete like that. We want a bigger profit margin mm-hmm. <laughs> for, for whatever that setup is. And uh, the thing that really bothered me, and this will be the last thing I say, because I'm not a, a vindictive person. I'm not the person who like holds on to things. But what's funny is that the person who is involved in that, said that, look, we've been taking a loss for many years. And then now, like, basically implying, like, now this is our reward for, you know, staying loyal to the Federation and all that. It's like, I've lost followers for saying I'm going to support the IPF USAPL. And and that is explicitly my goal when there were many times where not being as hardline was actually more profitable. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've, I've quite literally had someone say, why do you post so much about just IPF lifters like Brett Gibbs and all that? And it's like, I, because that's my goal. Like I, I both want it to be inclusive and then directed, inclusive, directed. And you have to oscillate between the two. Mm-hmm. So when you see someone say it like that, where it's like, Hey, you know, but I've, I've set myself up so much that basically I deserve this. It's like, no, you never deserve it. I never deserve it. Like every, every video, everything you put out, I, I don't deserve views just because that there are a lot of people who are in you know my time, 2011 to 2014, who've totally fallen off because mm-hmm. you got to be good. Yeah. <laughs> So I do think, and, and the last thing I'll end it on is that, look, if I was a billionaire, what I would look forward to the most in my whole life would be going to Raw Nationals and making a video on it. If I was a billionaire, it would not, like, it would not be going to the beach with some thought, <laughs> like, this really is my life. Like, whether I have a ton of money or not a lot of money, a ton of attention or not a lot of attention. And I think that that is the reason why it got me so heated. <laughs>
is that creative, especially for me personally, I really love video editing. Mm -hmm. I love being able to kind of control the narrative and, and removing that creative control just blows. Oh, yeah. But yeah, it just is what it is. I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not too upset about it, but it, you're, you're right. And I think that's connects back to what we're saying is the key is to make sure talent in powerlifting is free to express itself, free to have transparency so we can all figure it out together. And that's where I'll give credit to Marcos of Australia. I think he probably does the best job of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like, it's so crazy when you actually take a look at it and it's like, no, you should guys should be working with these people. You should be trying to promote their YouTube page more. Like just give them every opportunity they can because it gives you more money. Like that's the objective, right? I mean, if you're, I, I like the, uh, I always, I always like the criticism of USAPL being too greedy and them caring too much about money. I'm like, oh, an organization that cares about making money. That's weird, right? That should be something they should be demonized <laughs> for. It's like they're trying to make money as an organization that feels like that should be their only goal, but people 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 criticize them for that. But if you like, I see when I see Russ. I see, I see just a cash cow that the USAPL yeah. can really, to really work with in order to get a little bit of that as well. And when I see right. Ray Williams, that's what I see too. When I see all these lifters come up, I'm like, I, I, I see someone that the USAPL can market as a superstar or take their marketing and help them market as well. Ta doing the exact opposite of that is is incredible to me, especially when it's, um, it, it's common knowledge that they would like to make money. Right. Like I've even thought about, well, first of all, one thing is when we talk about the IPF and USAPL is remember Gino is an mm -hmm. issue on that too. Yeah. So I think Gino being pushed out of the IPF to my knowledge for whatever reason, I think that is a, a big problem. And another reason why I think USAPL should do its own thing. Just keep getting hey, more entertaining. All right. And one of the uh, other ideas I've had actually is, um, I think this would be a really good idea is to imagine if every single raw nationals or, or IPF worlds, but now let's say it'll probably be raw nationals. Mm -hmm. Imagine if you took massive survey data on how they train in, in really detailed information. Um, in, in like, let's say you really can compile how the top 400 power lifters train in C correlations, like kind of Greg Knuckles style breakdown of the data mm -hmm. and then sell that. And imagine if you could use something like that to, to profit share, with lifters mm -hmm. it's like really right now you have to look at like what is the greatest asset each year and could you imagine i mean could you imagine if you could say how often do the top 10 83s squat per week and you just find out like okay it's 2.2 and then across years okay now it's gone up to 3.2 okay so it seems like there's a trend of increasing squat frequency mm -hmm. i think things like that would be i think you could do certain collaborative efforts that would take very little effort and it would make sense that you need some centralization to where everyone meets up and then shares that information. Mm -hmm. And then that's something where money could be made, man. Oh, I mean, yeah. we're dealing with the strongest every year. It's the strongest powerlifters in history. It's like, since we are in this golden era and it's like, it, could you imagine if we could have a binder of such stats from like sixties weightlifters? <laughs> I would buy it. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. that That's actually, I've, I've never heard of that idea before and i love it that's yeah, a, that's sure, a that's terrific yeah that's, well you well you said earlier that um that lifters have so many different strengths and you know uh, an ability to think outside the box and they have just a whole lot of other skill sets that aren't lifting i mean i look at so many i mean recent our most recent guest with midwest primetime steve denovi like 
right now he's doing something. It's like USAPL, check it out. Like this guy is doing a money meet, a regional meet. He's trying to bring eyes to a regional meet. He's having a prime time session for a regional meet. You know what I mean? Like now it's, it's skewed a little bit because it's COVID. That's the reason why this thing is existing. It's like, it's only can be 14 lifters because you know, 14 lifters, 14 lifter meets are going to have to happen right now. We can't have a thousand person meet, but imagine if you could constantly do that, right? If you have, you know, that, that regional meet that you have all these lifters come to, but then you have a primetime session at night. So people can view, you know, you make some money in between. You could actually give it to the lifters and because Steve Denovi, excellent marketer, he has a background in that. It's like, okay, hey, USAPL, look at that. Look at that guy. Check it out. Let's and let's keep it going from there, right? Let's, let's actually encourage those types of meets because it's only going to make more money. It's only going to bring more lifters into sport. So, um, any outside the box thinking we can, because that's an outside the box thought, right? It's it's not. It, it doesn't align with the the norms of powerlifting right now. So. Yeah, I think some people are – I think the issue is people who are naturally uncomfortable with the unknown, it's going to be the biggest issue during this time. Because it's like – I think after this time period, you're going to have it to where people who just do things the way it's always been done will be um, more fitting. So it's like with weightlifting is a good example where it's like Olympic weightlifting, all they have to do is retain their position, defend from drug accusations, and that's it. Whereas with powerlifting, it's like we are at a point where, man, we should keep trying things. We should just keep seeing what happens. Um, I'm actually very curious what the effect of Ron Nationals getting smaller is going to be, mm-hmm. since we never really you know, got to see that uh, due to you know the coronavirus, of course. And I I think we're going to just we're going to learn it all together. And I think that it's like what you said, where there's so many people are really talented, and we just need just enough transparency to where you can actually see if these things work or not. Like I, I would, I mean, I would love it even with your example with the meat director. It's like, I would love it if there was some way where we could just find out like, so did that work? Like I, hopefully the meat directors talk to each other in private, but I, I just, it, it reminds me a lot of what you said as far as when you're surprised that something's really well done. A lot of times I think that's actually a problem because it shows information asymmetry. Mm-hmm. Cause then it shows, okay, I didn't even have a context for that. So the moment, cause John Downing had a video where he's like, people don't realize it's like $80,000 to run a meter or 50,000. I forget what the number was. It's like the moment that's a big number that I have no idea the context. I think, no, that makes it sound even easier to, for some bullshit to happen yeah. because it's like, I had no idea. You could have said 20,000. I would have thought that's a huge. So yeah, it really is like, I think we all, I mean, obviously not everyone's interested in like the actual running of meets, mm-hmm. but I think, um, I think everyone's interested in seeing what works and then supporting it mm-hmm. and going like, okay, so that works. So this guy's a good guy. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I think now with Corona, I think we saw some meat directors get a, a bad reputation <laughs> with yeah. the, uh, not trying to give back money, but I think we need, we do need more active, you know, promotion of that and going like, okay, let's let this guy run next nationals. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that'd be super cool. Like yeah. I, I signed up for meat in uh, Savannah, Georgia. Now I'm trying until 1700. And, you know, it's like, it's funny when you sign up for meets like this, you really do have no idea which type, which way it's going to go. Mm-hmm. Cause you don't, you don't know. It's like, it, it usually is either a very old school guy or the total opposite where it's like someone who's really taking risks. Yeah. And you just have no idea. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. And uh, yeah, again, one of those things that I think lifters talk, talk about enough 
or just don't even think about it. And like kind of the goal with certain podcasts such as this one and certain like, you know, media outlets that we have is to get lifters a little bit more educated on that. But let me ask you this, yeah. because we had, you know, this we're, we're talking about kind of like inside baseball kind of stuff, like inside powerlifting, like insider yeah. sort of things with running. So let me ask you as a competitor standpoint, because you still are actively competing and you are a top 10, 83 kg lifter. Um, does this ever interfere with your training where you have such passion about how the sport is or how much eyes are being on the sport where you either lose interest or lose focus in your training at all? No. <laughs> That's easy. No. <laughs> I could not. I, so, so let me ask you, so if you, are you yeah, ever could, thinking could, of like your YouTube as opposed to just uh, like progressing as a lifter? That's a great, that's a really, really good question because this is actually exactly what's made my training change so much lately mm-hmm. is I, I in a lot of ways actually feel bad for lifters getting used to the social media world and their training because it took me until recently to where now with my lifting, I never do anything that's just for views ever. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it took me so long to get to that point because I mean, man, if I, if I made benching 405 pounds right now, my main goal, and then posting a video of it, like I know that would get, you know, like 80,000 views. Mm -hmm. And I know that would make that probably get more views than my next meet potentially. Well, hopefully, hopefully the next meet gets more than that. (laughs) But, um, it, it's funny because that, yeah, that is something where actually during this coronavirus thing, I noticed a lot of lifters starting Twitch mm-hmm. and I, I think we're seeing this develop. I think a lot of people on Twitch are going to experience what I did in 2014, where you realize you end up becoming a victim to the crowd. They go, oh, you know, Hey, do some, take a bang energy drink. Like, Oh, deadlift, uh, you know, deadlift a circuit of 700 pounds, you know, do blah, blah, blah. And it, it's going to fuck you up. Yeah. It's gonna it's gonna really really be detrimental to long term progress, and I in a lot of ways I feel bad for it because I, the moment I saw a lot of people start Twitch, I'm like, there's some people I'm like I know this is gonna have a downside. I know mm-hmm. it. Like I I know exactly this cycle. When I first deadlifted 675 pounds, I kid you not, I've literally tried that at least at least 15 times, at least 15 times for that video. Um, and I think even the day I hit it, I tried it like six times. It was like ridiculous. I don't even know <laughs> what I was doing. <laughs> Looking back, like I don't uh, even know how. Yeah, I don't even know how you're able to do that. Yeah, it was, it was weird. That's jarring, missing my, a lift. It's, jar- it's a tweaking. jarring experience. Yeah. So, for me personally, with my lifting, I am more motivated than ever. Like I'm, I'm, I'm almost to the point where like I want to, I want to make it a point that I think I'm more motivated than anyone. Like I, I honestly do feel like I've never, I've. I would doubt that I would meet someone who I think works harder and smarter than I do right now. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think discipline wise, this is, I think I'm the most disciplined lifter I've ever seen. Like, that's how I feel. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I know that would come off cocky, but it's like, yeah, when, when it comes to um, powerlifting and popularity and stuff like that, all intermingling to me, I actually see it as really motivating because it's, it's kind of this cool thing where I almost forget that I'm like pretty strong. Mm-hmm. on its own right where it's like maybe i would be able to coach people based on my strength if i didn't have a youtube channel mm-hmm. and it's like that's kind of like a cool thought to go like huh like I, that's something i've never that's not how i view myself i always view myself more as a conduit um so i, I think because of the way i position myself it does make it in a lot of ways easier um whereas i think if you're a larry wheels 
type lifter, I think then you're you're screwed. Because mm-hmm. then if you're Larry Wheels, you're known for hitting PRs all the time. You're just like, and you're going to do it weekly. The moment it's like that, and then you do strongman, then you do this, then you do that. I think then it gets way harder to maintain. Mm-hmm. And then you develop a porn addiction, then everything goes down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then everything goes to shit. And you have to, die, and you have to tell everyone that you had a porn addiction. <laughs> but yeah, it, it is Four views. I, 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 to, this, to, to this day, I think it was just him telling us he had a porn addiction. Four and a few extra views. Extra yeah, because yeah, I, I think... Weirdest, awesome. boldest clout grab ever. No, <laughs> is admitting you have a porn addiction. Admitting to porn addiction while your girl basically does porn. I mean, yeah. it's like there's something about that that to me is just funny. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, why buy the cow when you get the milk for free, man? What are you, do, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, but one thing I will say, and this is something that actually I, that's been on my mind a lot lately, is I'm friends with a lot of people who are more in that skeptic community, you could say, like, like, really into you know breaking down science and, and breaking down why biases are a problem and here and here and you don't know with your training like how often have we seen someone post that auto regulation saved this workout because i wasn't too committed to this weight so mm-hmm. i adjusted it down and then it's like a preachy moment and sometimes it's like but bro you haven't pr'd since 2014 yeah like dog like you really got like sometimes you actually that actually might be a bad sign that you're really not building you're adjusting a lot and you're not really building much. Oh yeah. So in my experience, um, actually something that I've, I, I believe I've grown the most is initially I was very opinionated and then kind of dialed it down a little bit to go, okay, you know, yeah, maybe lumbar flexion is inevitable due to studies. Uh, maybe, you know, which is you know, true due to even in good mornings, for example, but it's like, so then you back it down. So where, can I not even say that you should lift with a neutral back? Like now that's controversial. Should we just not say, so we just say get tight. And then it's like, you, you zoom out so much that then I think when you're actually getting stronger, it helps you go back in and mm-hmm. actually be opinionated despite knowing the nuance. Yeah. So now it's like with the plat squat video with things like that, where it's like, it's a lot easier to make that video when you've added 150 pounds to your total. Yeah. <laughs> like, like now it's like, okay, now I'm going to, I'm going to talk my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that actually is a, is a big reason why it's all gone well together yeah. is I, th- I think it really is a matter of keeping the sanity. Um, and you see that with guys like, uh, like Elliot Hulse, where it's like, if you aren't getting stronger yet, you make a living putting out videos on how to get stronger. A lot of times you go off the deep end and yeah. then you're, you're, then you're like, he had a piece of steak and a picture of Jesus in a MAGA hat, like all in the same video. Like it was like, I'm like, I don't even know if he like, what is he even doing? <laughs> yeah, I, and it's actually, this is some great information. And like just, um, it's stuff I didn't realize before because you, you, you mentioned that, you know, you are the most disciplined lifter, you know. And, but you, I think you have to know that because you went through a stage where it's like, okay, I got to put stuff yeah. out on YouTube and I know that this deadlift is going to get me views. I think mm-hmm. I'm seeing a lot currently with lifters going through that stage and maybe, but here's the thing, maybe they'll reach a stage of like, okay, this popularity aspect, granted, it's maybe may paying the bills for some people. It may be helping them some way to continue in the sport, but it is hurting their progress as a power lifter. And maybe they'll stick around for the sport. And maybe they'll get that edge of, okay, you know what? We're going to auto-regulate some things. We're going to hit numbers that are appropriate for this day. But there's no guarantee that they're going to get to that point. So that's why that realization that you had 
it's pretty cool to see because you're going through it like now like okay now we're disciplined to training and we're going to try to make steps in order for me to be a better power lifter where mm-hmm. currently I'm, I'm seeing lifters right now who it's like I, I, I think um, me and Tim discussed this before where um, I was talking about like uh, you know when you see lifters hype themselves up a lot where you see lifters uh, talk about a lifter going to hit next and then all of a sudden you don't see the video. You don't see the video on Instagram. You don't see the recap. It's like, okay, what happened there? Or they're really just PRing for no reason, you know, so they can get on King of the Lifts or something. It's mm-hmm. like I, you're seeing that now. It's like, okay, are you going to reach that point where you're going to take a step back or are you going to keep doing this? Because, and I see a lot, like if you see a lifter who's constantly posting and all of a sudden they're not posting a whole lot anymore, like, uh, you see, it's like, I think mm-hmm. I think they drank a little bit too much of the Kool Aid, and that's what happened. Yeah. And now it's like now they're going through that weird inner turmoil of being the Instagram lifter and just the regular lifter. Yeah, yeah, it's tough, and it's actually one of the beliefs I have. That this is like a completely not evidence based belief, but one that I think is likely true. Is I think if you even if you hold bar speed and RPE the same, if you control the rate of progress more i personally have the belief that you're less likely to be injured mm-hmm. now that's something i've even i've talked with like austin Brocky on that and he said he's like well, i don't think he said I don't, I don't see a reason to believe that which i respect mm-hmm. but i even think that those guys who explode in strength it's like you see it sometimes where they explode in strength and sometimes rp even gets better as they're adding you know like a 25 pound squat here you're like what mm-hmm. then boom another you know 20 pound squat PR. it's just like unbelievable and I think, and I think most of us have experienced this where you're feeling good and it's moving well. And then just something snaps where <laughs> then you get hurt a little bit, then your SI joint has an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think pacing it long-term both makes the most sense because most people eventually reach that point where they're adding weight that just, I, I think a lot of people just don't explicitly think about it. Like no. even, even, uh, Nick Wright recently posted a video and this is not, um, this is just like mild criticism um because he he had other factors you know which he brought up but he even said like he squatted 600 for the first time by the way nick wright's progress is incredible um as a youtuber you know he squats 600 pounds and then the next cycle he said he squat 545 pounds in the same context they squat 525 pounds and then but then he basically went up to 585 and he had a bunch of interruptions in between time and then that moved slow and and that was going to end the cycle mm-hmm. it's like to me i'm i'm so like analytical with it where i'm like if you squatted 600 pounds for the first time, are you thinking you're going to squat 620? Because, like, obviously that's incredibly unlikely to make a 20-pound PR in, from one cycle to the next cycle after yeah. a lifetime best. So then why go plus 20 pounds relative to the same slot? Like, I, I just – why not squat 530 or 535 mm-hmm. or uh, – or, no, he said 525. Yeah, so 530. So to me, I, I really work in minimum chunks. Now, that's obviously just, like, my training philosophy in general. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of people don't explicitly think like, look, if you're going for these numbers, like think about what that actually means. Think about, is that, is that even possible for that to be sustainable? And do you have a plan then if you're just going to aim for this amazing goal that you don't plan on really exceeding by much for the next 10 years? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? It's like, really? I mean, sometimes I do wonder what, I mean, maybe it's the fact that the limit is not currently known that well, that mm-hmm. maybe part of them thinks like, okay, as a 74 they can squat just 700 later and maybe that's possible. And maybe some people will do things I think are Mm -hmm. impossible. But I think a lot of people really do not think like, look, if you squat the moment I squatted, uh, 
606 and then squat 612, I think I honestly maybe had a shot at squatting 630 if I just loaded it up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then instead I did a whole training cycle, then squatted 625, last warm-up went poorly, then 625 went very well. So I could have just squatted 633, just balls to the wall, and then that would have just ended that run, and then that's it. Mm-hmm. Whereas now it's like a squat 625 and I have really good momentum. And I think I will, hopefully I'll, I honestly might squat 628 at this meet. I might just plan for that. Like I'm really that conservative, but maybe I'll go 633. Yeah. And then eventually I think I'll squat 650. I think I'll add 70 pounds to my squat since Raw Nationals, Mm -hmm. um, like year to year. So it's like that. Do I need a hundred pounds? Like there really are some questions. Like, like I'm 28, I'm going to be fine and I'm going to be 32 and be healthy and be fine. And I'm going to be able to lift those weights. They're still going to be there. Mm-hmm. So do I really need to have a shot at squatting 661 instead of 650? And oftentimes, if anything, you take that 633, you buck the momentum and then you have to reset and yeah. you know, now you have to fight for 633 again. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 and that's, that's actually really good advice for any lifter, really. Like, coming through it, because, like, uh, we, we do have... I often ask the question of what's the best piece of advice you can give a lifter, and that, that, that point often goes into my biggest piece of advice, and that's be consistent with your training. And I'm not saying just... I'm like, the consistency part is the most important. And what you just said, you have to be consistent with how you are progressing. You know what I mean? Like... You have to be able to take a step back occasionally and not, you know, blow your load in yeah. this one training cycle or this one ma- or this, just this one random workout. You have yeah. to be consistent with, you know, being able to auto-regulate, knowing your body and knowing what good momentum is. Because um, yesterday, for example, uh, seven days out from my next meet, hit a nice 600-pound uh, squat, a 606 squat. And, you know, I had, you know, my, like some of my spotters, like, you going up? Like, no, I'm not going up. Why would I do that? (laughs) Like, oh, you can get 611. I'm like, yeah. Or, you know, we could just stop any momentum we just made currently with 606, seven days out from meet. It's like, this is, this is why we're, I'm, I'm, we're training to build even, I mean, even if I hit say six, uh, 617 at the next meet or in in seven days, Mm -hmm. I hit, you know, a nice 280 kg squat. Like, yeah. still, we want to take that number and make it mean something. You want to build momentum right. from that number, too, even though it's a meet day and you're, you know, supposed to put a one or max. Like, you got to still know your limitations. I know a 285 kg squat would put me in great position to total well over 800 keys and, you know, have this great all-time total. But it's like, do you really want to risk it on that day or do you want to keep going for maybe your next yeah. meet? It's like, do you want to keep yeah. – and that's – when I, when I preach consistency, it's, it's that part too. It, when I say consistency, it's like do the right things often. Yeah. Always do the right thing often. That's, that's, that's a big key to my training. It's like whenever anyone asks for advice, like how do I get better deadlift? I'm like be consistent with your deadlift. Yeah. Keep yeah, doing the things that are going to work for you so you can build a big father. I'm like I'm not going to have this one magic answer that's going to get you a better deadlift, dude. I'm like the reason why I've been successful in my deadlift, even like – with me never having a coach is I was in the pocket always. I was always in the pocket and always like, okay, if I deadlift 711 today or something, I can take that, use that data, and then work on next training cycle where I could go maybe 20 pounds heavier or maybe uh, 10 pounds heavier. Like, yeah. that's that's key. And the, But the only reason why that works is because you're consistent with doing that. If you're not consistent, yeah, I- if, you're, if you're like – 
and just I mean, in the the social media aspect too. If you're a strong lifter, it it's even worse because if you really start um, you know getting involved in that social media aspect of powerlifting, that's that it that can be hard. Like when you hit yeah. so so when I hit six hundred, I'm like okay, I'm pretty psyched about it. Then you know next day you see Russ pause squatting your one rep max for like three. You're like shit. Maybe maybe next time I should aim for you know. It's 280. Maybe, maybe, maybe we were yeah. a little too light. It's like when you see that, it's like okay, you're comparing yourself to others now, which is what you should do in competition-based sports. Compare mm-hmm. yourself to the progress of others, but still, it's like it's hard. It's hard to stay in that pocket sometimes. Um, which I hate that phrase. Me and Joe kind of both hate that phrase, but it's like <laughs> it was one of those phrases that you have to use now because it's so universally used. But yeah. um, w- when you when you're Thinking in mind of a con- consistent progression, that's when you know things start moving for you. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of, um, see, something that I think actually helps as far as all of this is I personally am a very explicit person, so I. And this is where we probably differ. Is personally, I could not be more disciplined just on the principle of auto regulation alone. Like mm-hmm. that would not motivate me enough to actually not go up if I considered it. Like for myself, and I, I personally, I, I think more, I think what you're saying um, is generally what works, by the way, like for most people. Yeah. I think especially for, there's a certain sect where it's, where I think people kind of resonate a little bit more with uh, kind of my mindset of being, you know, we're probably more hardline number oriented um, than I, I think relying on maybe emotional maturity and having to develop that. Like I don't, I don't even, I, I have developed that to some extent, but I think what's helped me the most is having numbers to say, let's say you squat 606. What if you just say, okay, my potential max is 612. And then see what I've actually thought about this is, would it be beneficial? I think it would, if it was socially acceptable to say, I squat 606 with a potential 612, potential max 612. Seriously. And how's that different than RP? RP yeah. is just saying what oh, you yeah. could have done. Well, that, like I mean, when I uh, continue. I was going to say, because like when I squat 612, or 613, well, I, I forget what it was, but um, now I hit 625, that's all that matters. Um, <laughs> is when I squat that, I, I, the way I do it, I explicitly play off this, is I say that was a potential 620, so now all I need to do is add five pounds relative to last cycle, and then I'm going to squat mm-hmm. 625. Yeah. So I, I eat up that potential and then embrace the fact that that might end up being a grinder. Now, the training cycle actually went better than I expected, so I was able to go plus 10 and then hit 625 with probably a potential 630. I feel comfortable that maybe probably potential, let's say 633. Let me, let me give myself that extra three. (laughs) Um, So I think being explicit with it though, in saying, because this is the thing is I think a lot of people who overdo it and then take another one and then take another one. Yeah. I think it is due to insecurity more than it is greed. Because I think if, if you know you had six, six, 12 already in the tank, then you should be happy. You already Mm -hmm. know you had it. So it's like, I, I, that is how I feel. I feel like, when I squatted that 613, I knew I had 620 so much that I don't, I really don't care to do it. Now, maybe that is because, you know, the video stuff for people like up and coming is, is more, there's more of an incentive to just actually have video of it. Mm-hmm. But it's like, I feel like I know so much that I could have hit 620 that it's, a, it, I already hit it in mm-hmm. my mind. <laughs> I've already counted it. Like, I literally just give myself the credit. Like, I know I can hit it. Okay, let's go 625. Um, and then also I think rate of progress throughout the year, like being explicit. Like I, I probably will never go beyond a 12 pound squat PR ever 
in a cycle unless I went a whole cycle without maxing and then add it. Then it's like, let's say 14 weeks instead of seven. Mm-hmm. Cause otherwise uh 12 pound PR over seven weeks is like 89 pounds on the squat per year. That's a great high end. Yeah. <laughs> I, I never need to be on 95 pounds. Sorry. I never need to be on a hundred pound pace pretty good at this stage ever. So I'll never go beyond that. And I think setting that hard limit sometimes actually helps people more than people who are you know personality wise like myself more than being open to it. Like I'm truly mm-hmm. close-minded to certain numbers. I yeah. think it helps. Well, yeah, I mean, when you hit certain, I mean, that's why, you know, when you hit certain things, you get a progress one or max after you're done with it, right? Um, I mean, I know that's what we, me and Joe do with the Google Sheets that we get. When we hit an RPE and we try to be as honest with RPE as possible, it's like, okay, that right there, that number, that progress one or at max is something that we could possibly hit. But how do you do it when RPE is still 10? So that's what... I mean, See, I go by actual linear jump because, like, you'd say, like, when I squat six thirteen. That's RP ten, but I had six twenty. We're not really hitting RP tens in training ever, so like, I can't really speak on that uh, point. Like, or it's ever scheduled at least an RP ten. You know, training. It's always on max day, so it's like we're going RP nines, and then saying like, based on that, it's like, okay, maybe you could have squeezed out five. Maybe that could have been RP ten. Maybe that was your one at max. So I don't know. It, but RP ten's like the unknown for me. <laughs> I don't know RP ten until I'm on the platform. That's interesting. Yeah, I would say I think I'm probably worse at reps than you because I, I think to me I think anything yeah anything that's going to be over five eighty five I think is technically an RP ten for me. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't think I I don't think I could double five ninety five. Yeah, the reps and reserves thing can get confusing because I guess yeah because yeah. I mean well you are high bar so I mean it might be true. Yeah, but like so, you, so you feel more comfortable doubling six oh six than you would squatting, let's say six twenty two. Because to me, that, that strikes me as like that would be a really high. I actually, well, I actually six. think I'm. Yeah, I actually think I might. I like a like an art like a double for me is you know sometimes more realistic than hitting like a heavy single. But at the same time, like I think actually, so because I, I, with your you know, knowledge on, you know, RP and just try trying diff- RP based training, percentage based training. Um, your expertise is a little bit more than mine where I'm still kind of learning the whole process of it. Uh, because this is my second time through an RP based, uh, I, program. If there's anything you can always just say, Hey, it's subjective. Cause it's yeah. rating a perceived. Well, no, it, so this is mine. <laughs> yeah, well, no, no, <laughs> but it's, true, it's, true. it's an interesting thing that you say. Cause like, I actually, I actually still don't even know if I'm hitting a uh, good at hitting singles. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if I'm good at hitting like, <laughs> like con- consistent singles. Like, in com- like uh, Arnold is our last, you know, I guess data, if you will, under coaching, and you know, no mean to toot my own horn, but I think every single one of the singles that I hit, I fucking smoked. Aside from the bench, bench was a grinder. One sixty five was a perfect call. That was RP ten for sure, and one sixty seven would not been on the platform that day. I know that for a fact. But for my squat. I thought that we could have probably made a fight. We could have definitely squatted over 600 that day. Deadlift, I think we could have squeezed out two and a half to five kilos on. So I'm at a point where I actually don't even know if, like, I'm, like, uh, you know, at least better at reps than I am singles. You know what I mean? I got to I gotta do it more often in order to really yeah. – I got to I gotta hit those, um, you know, arp, like those, uh, those, those singles more often to really get a good idea of – if I am, because actually with, with the data that I have, I am because <laughs> just yeah. based how well, you know, Arnold went and those are some really good numbers we hit. So like, when's the last time you've missed a squat? 
oh god three weeks ago <laughs> three weeks ago i talked about it on the show with steve denovi i miss uh i miss 584 bad like it just was it was almost on pierce i think i was just zapped um that was the same week i hit 744 um on my deadlift and then after that everything just went to shit um i think i was just at a stage of overtraining and yeah like so yeah three weeks three weeks ago was the last time i mixed a squat but before that a long long time like that was the first that was a feeling i had of missing a squat in a really really long time might have been since uh AWPC World Championships in 2017, where I miss where I miss a squat. Like I really, especially a single. Like I don't really recall me ever uh, missing one. So, yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, it's it's um, I do think high bar in general just is more sensitive because it's mm-hmm. like that high bar. Really, if you just miss your balance, it can just kind of just go. Yeah. What's going on, boys and girls? We have a very special episode of Two White Lights for you today. I had on the program the prophet of the USAPL, Johnny Candido. In a rare podcast appearance, he joined Two White Lights, and I'm going to tell you guys, it was definitely worth the wait having Johnny on. Um, I've had so many requests to get Candido on the show since I really started Two White Lights and became in the USAPL. Uh, I, from people at the gym, from people on Instagram, from people I've seen at meets, they want to hear from Johnny and we recorded, I'm not kidding for like four hours. And I mean, yeah, it was worth the wait because instead of one episode, you're going to get four episodes of Johnny Candido. I'm not going to release the entire four hours because I still have to edit all of it. So I'm going to give it an hour spurts and within those four hour spurts that I'm going to give you. It's like the perfect episode of Two White Lights. Uh, and I'm not exaggerating here. It is seriously everything that, one, I like to talk about. Uh, and I know Johnny likes to talk about, but I think also what you guys like to hear about as well. We get into a lot of different subjects. So today, I mean, I'm not going to call it an introduction because it was some real good information that was shared, some real good insights, just some great ideas about the sport. We talk about his progress as a uh, YouTube a YouTuber and bringing a huge spotlight to the USAPL, things that USAPL could do different now. We talk about the current state of the Federation and of the sport. We also get into just some real good training talk, seeing discipline. Uh, Johnny Candido, he referenced himself as the most disciplined lifter he knows, and we get into a really good conversation about that. Then we kind of segue into RPE and percentage-based training for a little bit auto-regulation. Uh, you know, the struggles of balancing that social media presence and lifting in the gym. It was just a terrific conversation. And it was only the first hour. You get three more of those as we go on. So I, I haven't figured out how I'm going to break this up. Uh, this is going to be released on Thursday as you're listening to it. I think maybe Monday would be the next one. Uh, I have a pretty busy weekend. I'm going to be competing at Midwest Primetime. So, and I'm going to be taking like a seven-hour drive up to Springfield, Missouri. So I won't have a lot of time to really like edit that podcast but i'm going to try to get the next one out monday there might be some episodes being released prior to that and i'm just going to throw in the johnny candido chronicles as we go and again i'm, I'm not exaggerating this has been my favorite podcast to 
record because it is everything that I like to talk about. So before we get into the episode with Johnny Candido, I of course got to do some ad reads. And of course I got to start with my boys down at Leflar Bros. Ladies and gentlemen, go to leflarbros.com and get yourself some merchandise. If you use that promo code 2WL10, you will get 10% off of anything you desire, whether it be some tank tops, t-shirts, baseball tees, uh, beanies. It's starting to become beanie season. It's getting cool out. It's fall. I love my baseball tees as well. I think fall really yields the opportunity to wear some baseball tees. So I'm going to be rocking those uh, primarily throughout all of fall. Um, and you can get yours as well if you use promo code 2WL10. And also, they got those gym banners that you could only get on leftlarbros.com. Uh, two white lights gym banners show you listen to the show. Get yourself a gym banner. Also, go to rivalist.net, use promo code Angelo15, and get some supplements, brand chain amino acids, protein, pre-workout, creatine, you name it. Rivalist has got it if you use that promo code Angelo15. Also, Go to lift.net. I only wear stoic gear out on the platform. In training, pretty much everywhere, I only wear stoic gear, and you can get a discount on some of that gear if you use promo code ANGELO10. Actually, a lot of people have been using that code, and they've been very happy, and I'm very happy that they're using that code. Uh, it's actually pretty cool to see. So people love the product. I love the product. Obviously, I wouldn't be endorsing if I don't. Use that promo code ANGELO10 to get 10% off of your order. Also, go to twowhitelights.com. You can only get the t-shirts, the Two White Lights t-shirts there. We got some other ones uh, as well that aren't Two White Lights t-shirt. The Bomb Out Club ones uh, are also exclusively sold on twowhitelights.com. And also, subscribe on iTunes. Leave a five-star rating. Leave a review. Those reviews are important. I need those. Also, we're available on Spotify. Check us out there and be sure to follow us. Now, here it is, the long-awaited episode with Johnny Candido. All right, and that was it, the very first installation of our Johnny Candido Chronicles. Remember, there's going to be three more of these types of episodes waiting for you. We get into some really good conversations. Uh, it, it, You know, it, it, it goes in a lot of different ways, and all of it relates to powerlifting in some way. Um, and... Yeah, I, I really can't wait for all these episodes to be released and for you guys to listen to them. So stay tuned. Hopefully the next episode will come Monday. See you guys later. Peace.